0: You're listening to Dreaming Kyoto. Today's guest is Lawrence Barrow, a ceramic artist and zen monk who is currently working from his studio in the foothills of Higashiyama. I visited him there several months ago, and we discussed a wide range of topics including zen, pottery, and life in Japan. Without further ado, here's Lawrence Barrow thank you for agreeing to meet me and uh and talking with me today it's oh, a delight to have you here
1: yeah um, it's to what you're most welcome and uh, thank you cool. for arranging
0: cool can we start by uh by just uh hearing a little bit about what you do and um basically a i'm
1: a ceramic artist or potter and i live in kyoto and and this is where i began as, as a artist as a potter and um I moved here about five years ago, and then after a long stint in a Zen monastery, um, north of Kyoto, and I decided I was very much very captured by Japanese ceramics, uh, due to some friends and and who were already into ceramics and and visiting Japanese uh, pottery towns. So then I decided this is what I want to do, mm-hmm. and. Um, it all began here
0: was there a single experience that you can remember where you were like this is, this is awesome this is great, this is what I want to uh, focus my life on yeah,
1: well because I had been in the Zen temple I hadn't seen any pots mm-hmm. really and so I think soon after I moved to Kyoto I went to a gallery of a friend of mine and the gallery is called the Robert Yellen gallery mm-hmm. and anyway he's one of the top um, dealers in Japanese contemporary ceramics and that had a huge impression on me. My first encounter with the really high-class cutting-edge um, ceramics that were displayed in this gallery mm-hmm. and, and that had a huge impact on me becoming a potter. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So that was a, the initiation. Okay. And what was your first experience actually working with clay and making pots yourself?
1: Uh, my first experience yeah. of well five years old like making little ashtray for okay. dad yeah uh, you know like
0: we most do in when,
1: when you kids you know it's
0: craft cl- class or mm-hmm. so. and how did you what was your training like like where did you learn how to do pottery and
1: so first of all i just started at a cafe where they had a, a wheel or mm-hmm. a studio you could just go for the afternoon and then i needed to have serious skills more professional skills so I applied for a a traditional Kyoto traditional arts college Mm -hmm. and um, what's the name of the college? uh, uh, in Japanese Kyoto uh, Dento Kouge I'm not sure what it is but anyway traditional arts and crafts college okay Um, so that's where I learned basically um, throwing techniques which is the making on, on the potting wheel mm-hmm. and um, just it was very repetitive throwing and it, everyone in the class would have to make exactly the same shape mm-hmm. and, and, and repetitive, exactly the same. So that was uh, to build skills and, mm-hmm. and you'd start from a very simple cup to doing a small flower vase um, or cylinder form.
0: So I think it, that was important to, mm-hmm. to get those skills. It seems to be a very traditional Japanese approach to yeah. teaching skills and art is everybody has to do the, make the form correctly yeah. first yes. before you can go on yeah. and experiment. Yeah.
1: It's a, only when you, as a graduation project you're mm-hmm. allowed to make your own form but up till then yeah. uh, you just have to do, you, you get rid of yourself mm-hmm. and sort of you know your own ideas of it or, or what you want to make. So.
0: There was a uh, uh, video on your YouTube channel of you making a small sake cup, and you it was coming out very nice and perfectly symmetrical, and then you took a paddle and you whacked it mm. to get it off, yeah. you know, unsymmetrical. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. when did you start, when did you move away from the perfect yeah. symmetry of your, your your training? Yeah,
1: I always, right from the beginning, I disliked throwing symmetrical, so it was actually a nightmare <laughs> at the college. I, okay. mean, I did it, but yeah, I think that was a reaction. It was yeah, so soon after I, I left the college I wanted to whack them up right and yeah to so do the opposite really
0: and and when did you decide to uh, to start uh, jikogama
1: uh, just after during the time I was at the college mm-hmm. and um, I moved here and uh, and then I had a little shed in the back where where I put a small electric kiln mm-hmm. And an another separate shed that would be the studio yeah. for, for making the okay yeah.
0: and what's your what's your vision for this because you've only been around for a short short period right yes. how long had has Jiko come up in here in the uh, nearly present just world? only
1: three years Three years and um, I would like it to develop and uh, mm-hmm. maybe establish some some way okay in Kyoto
0: yeah so in in what way would you like to, to establish or expand or uh, what's your What's your vision for where you're heading with this? Well, I want to produce
1: something quite unique, and um, at the moment, my interest is not my work isn't reflecting Kyoto ceramics, kyoyaki. Um, I'm much more interested in the a very different kind of pottery um, called shigaraki pottery, mm-hmm. wood-fired pottery. So, um, I. Luckily this town, Shigaraki, is, is near Kyoto, within mm-hmm. an hour's drive, so I'd like to do something there, some work in, in that style, I think. But mm-hmm. since I live in Kyoto, um, I'd also like to do some of the Kyoto, or, or, or just with an electric kiln, because mm-hmm. I think an artist can a good artist can produce beautiful work with whatever kiln, mm-hmm. I think. so.
0: For. Uh for the people who don't maybe don't know much about pottery, can you explain just briefly the difference between Kyoyaki and Shigaraki?
1: Um, kyoyaki might be characterized by um, being fired in an electric or gas kiln with a glaze and often with over glaze enamel, mm-hmm. um, uh, wa-etsuke, which is just a sort of very delicate drawing um, over the glaze and then fired again, and it's a very delicate and um, style that really reflects the beauty of koto mm-hmm. It's very refined, in which is in great contrast to the very, quite coarse material of uh, Shigaraki, which is mm-hmm. fired without a glaze. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there, there would be a glaze in it and fired in a, a Anagama kiln, which is a wood-burning kiln.
0: Mm-hmm. If anybody would like to see what an Anagama kiln looks like, your website has some quite a yeah. few photos yes. of yeah. um, one that you made, actually.
1: Yes, yes, that's correct. And I have a photo. Okay, yeah. yeah.
0: So yeah. here, I'll show the microphone, the photo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So how long did it take you to make this this kiln? Um,
1: this is a for project that happened last year, and mm-hmm. the preparation to the final, just making... Uh, the form of the kiln was only within two weeks but um, I was in England for five and a half months Mm -hmm. and so to see the whole project through with all the preparation and then also after making the kiln um, preparing making the pots to go in the kiln and preparing the wood so that all took about five and a half months Mm.
0: and wow and how many how many firings did you get out of yeah,
1: it And one one yeah but wow. I want to have many more yeah. uh, every Every year I'm back in the UK where in the UK are you based uh, Cotswolds which is um, west of London mm-hmm.
0: alright seems like a very beautiful place there's a horse in the background here is that your like family's land it's my neighbour's
1: horse and okay. lovely neighbours I asked them to bring it over because yeah. in Japanese in Japan there's a sort of good luck sign of a horse by a kiln's first firing. And, oh really? Uh, yeah, and and my neighbor's horse, Luke, and um, it, it they brought over on the first day of the firing Great, as a good luck. So yeah. and, and the pots came out really well, so it, it was a
0: horse that... Very nice. Did it. That would be uh, not so great if you spent that much time building a kiln and it didn't work yeah, out yeah. in the end, so yeah. that's good. Um, yeah. What what is the process like as opposed to using a just the firing process as opposed to using a, a, an electric kiln? What's the difference? What like, the process, it seems like it's a pretty yeah, yeah, process it is labor with intensive. The fire, in yeah, it's labor intensive
1: in terms of preparation, mm-hmm. stacking wood, and then you need a very reliable team. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe three people is enough, but you just depending on the length of time. Mm-hmm. I mean, often. Generally, it's about five days uh, anagama firing, but mm-hmm. it can go longer. Mm-hmm. So, but it's twenty four hours mm-hmm. so, during each day. So you just take shifts. Right. So, so I enjoy it. I really. It's very elemental, and uh, yeah, I really. I'd like. In a way, I thought, uh, I wish I
0: made one in Japan. Right. <laughs> but, but anyway, I'm sure you'll have the opportunity at some yeah, point yeah. in time. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's five days of continuous firing. That's wow. That's, right. that's intense. And the pots go in for 24 hours, you said? N- well, no, the firing is just, you know, 24. Uh-huh. uh you know, it's,
1: you know, it's just like uh, five times 24.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's that, 120, I believe? Yeah. Cool. And uh, so you grew up in, mainly in England? Uh, in the actually,
1: UK? lots of different places. Uh-huh. Um, my father was working out in Asia for nearly for most of his life okay. before he moved back to England. So mm-hmm. um, as a child I lived in Tokyo mm-hmm. and later in uh, Hong Kong mm-hmm. and uh, before Tokyo I was born in Thailand. Mm-hmm. So it's an interesting way of growing up. I, mm. I feel a
0: big connection to Asia mm. and I'll probably stay out here. Right. Um. What do you think that, that that international upbringing has um has given to you? What kind of benefit have you gotten from growing up in different cultures, being po- possibly an outsider in a lot of them? Yeah.
1: How
0: has yeah. that how has that shaped who you are today?
1: Yeah, A broad spe- spectrum of mm-hmm. um experience of different cultures and um a broad-minded person. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, yeah, I like I like Europe as much England as much as Japan. Though. But I mm-hmm. think, as uh, so, I mean, I I like Japan the most out of all the different
0: countries I've lived in. <laughs> Especially Kyoto is an amazing. Yeah. Place. Yes. Yeah. Um, you've been in Kyoto for three years, five years. Um, Sorry, I missed yeah, that before. Five years. Yeah, five years now. Yeah. Oh,
1: okay. okay.
0: And when did you did you move back to Japan five years ago? I or you moved back. No, I was in that. the Zen temple. Yeah, no,
1: but well, we lived in Hong Kong for a bit. So mm-hmm. when I was twenty eight, I moved to Japan in the Zen temple, and okay. nearly all my thirties were mm-hmm. in the Zen experience.
0: And what brought you to Zen?
1: It's just um, a passing interest. Just like I'd been, I'd read a few books on Zen and. Mm-hmm. I'd never intended to stay such a long time, mm-hmm. and and uh, just a, a encounter with a a roshi, a mm-hmm. Zen master mm-hmm. who was very remarkable, mm-hmm. and that led me to be ordained under him and and undergo the Zen training.
0: Mm-hmm. And how long were you in temple for?
1: It was about, about a decade.
0: Decade. and how did that affect how did that affect you like the Lawrence before going into Zen temple and Lawrence after it must be a pretty transformative experience yeah Yeah. well I mean
1: the whole concept idea is to get rid of ego self and Mm -hmm. uh, I think very much I was very uh, very self-centered mm-hmm. and uh, self-absorbed, so you know, just miserable person. So I was mm-hmm. much happier after mm-hmm. I left. And, and, and five years since I left the temple, I've been a very happy life, mm-hmm. part of my life. So I think central. Yeah, it was an alternative life for me as well. I liked the lifestyle. So I think that's another reason and I like the community life very pure it's very simple and uh, it's popular with other foreigners so there there were other foreigners and um, at that time of my life I was happy to stay there and I I think it was worthwhile Mm
0: -hmm. Uh,
1: but I don't recommend I mean I I just recommend Zazen as something very beneficial so Mm -hmm. I don't think it's actually necessary to Go into a temple, right? You know, you might already have a happy life. So,
0: mm-hmm. a lot of people uh, that don't have experience uh, doing meditation, they have a lot of difficulty if they want to try it. What kind of uh, advice could you give to somebody who would like to like to get into meditation? That's never done it before, and that maybe doesn't have access to to a Zen temple, or like is not willing to go to a temple to meditate. What would you What would you recommend as a kind of a beginning practice?
1: Yeah, I'd say the secret is mm-hmm. a secret, and it's just the focusing of the energy during meditation in the t- belly, the hara. Mm-hmm. So that's very much the secret of. So it doesn't matter whatever's going on mentally, if mm-hmm. your m- mind is focused in the belly, mm-hmm. that's very much key to the practice, I'd mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. So it's an important thing to consider. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and just not to be affected by the thoughts mm-hmm. of the past. So you just. Don't try to reject them but at the same time don't get into a conversation with them right
0: I read a quote I don't remember who or where it was but it was something along the lines of uh, when you're when you're sitting or meditating just leave the door open right like the front and the back door so yeah, let that's the thoughts right. come in yeah, yeah. and just let them go yeah, right yeah. 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 Let, let them yeah, be guests. Yeah, welcome them as yeah, guests, but yeah. then you know but let them. Don't leave don't in their serve own time. them tea. Yeah, yeah exactly.
1: That's was, Sanus that was Suzuki. Okay. R- Roshi, it's, I just heard that recently, and yeah. I, I really love that. Yeah. And don't serve them
0: tea. <laughs> So you said focusing on the belly. I know that in traditional Japanese uh, thought, that's where the, the the seat of the soul, basically, right? But as a Westerner, um, what, what, what's your take on that? Why is the why is it good to focus on your hara or your belly? Yeah, because
1: we're all just led around by the things going in the brain. Mm-hmm. And in martial arts, they always say keep the center of gravity low. Yeah. As, as a focus and then you're not affected by mm-hmm. things going on here or led around by them mm-hmm. so so the teacher, the Roshi that I trained under would say a uh, servant is the mind yeah. and, the, and the belly is the master and so. then
0: uh, uh, uh. <coughs> yeah interesting and it's also like whenever you're doing deep breathing as well, you're also focusing on, like if you focus on your lower belly, then you really get that deep diaphrag- diaphragmatic that's, that's breath as well. Uh, um, so you studied, there's two main sects of Zen Buddhism, right? There's uh, Rinzai yeah. and Soto. And which one did you practice? I studied in Soto. Soto, okay. And can you just briefly tell the difference between Rinzai and Soto?
1: Rinzai more emphasis on um, Koan tr- practice and soto is more emphasis on just sitting mm-hmm. without uh, Koan. Mhm. So that's the essential difference. Okay. I think. Right.
0: You're also um a haiku poet. That's that's right. Yeah. yeah. Can you can you tell us one off the top of your head right now?
1: Yeah. Just to see it. A soda carp uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> in Japanese, it's written there. Nishoku o mioto, tobidasu, kin no koi. So, in English, it's... T- Just to see it, a golden carp leaps out, solar eclipse. And th- that haiku um, won a prize for Ito and tea Company, and... Um, they printed on these bottles of Ito and tea. Wow. I'll give you one And you, you wrote it, me.
0: huh? Yeah. Wow, that's great. Yeah. So you're you're in every convenience store in Japan. That's right. <laughs> Famous uh, did you grow up speaking Japanese? Or did you study? I wish I had, but yeah. I went to an international school. Okay.
1: <clears throat> and uh, I I'm lucky to have a Japanese mother, but I as a
0: child I wish I'd spoken studied
1: more with mum.
0: Right. But obviously, if you can write haiku in, in Japanese and win prizes for it, you're doing pretty good. <laughs> doing a lot better than I am. Um, what is the haiku is is very mysterious, I think. Um, but it seems very much uh, it embodies the Zen ideal or the, the kind of the Zen mystique. Um, what, what is haiku to you? What does it mean, or what's the essence of haiku?
1: Well, yeah, Zen and haiku are very related. Basho, who's uh, maybe one of the originators of Japanese haiku, um, lived a very life of Zen simplicity, mm-hmm. and wabi, and just travelling around. And um, is he ori- one of the originators of, of it? And um, so haiku to me could be something very simple, very s- usually seasonal, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and something uh, yeah possibly about nature and something very um, related to the present moment
0: mm-hmm. How do you go about writing haiku like in in english there's there's the the syllable structure right in in Japanese, but I know that a lot of people that write haiku in english they they kind of they it, don't necessarily yeah, use that
1: I, I totally ignore the syllable structure okay but in Japanese i think there's some bit japanese who ignore it too but uh, but it works in Japanese mm-hmm. but uh, in English it's not really relevant mm-hmm. it's a myth that they think right it should be 575 yeah so huh. keep keep your feeling and uh try try to write something you experience mm-hmm. not just something you imagine mm-hmm. and keep it really clear and mm-hmm. uh and uh, Making it, making it, an image mm-hmm. or, or or a sound possibly, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah. the plop of the frog. Okay,
0: something like so something experiential, yeah, right? Yeah, something yeah. sensorial. Yeah. Interesting. Um, you're you're a creative person. Um, whenever you're, whenever you're working, whenever you're into, um, whenever you're spinning, or I guess you say throwing, right? Whenever you're throwing a pot where does your inspiration come from so sorry let me let me go back a little bit i'm i'm very much interested in this in this concept of flow and I think that uh, creative people, musicians, artists, people like this, they're very, very good at getting into this flow state. And a flow state is where you lose track of time. You, uh, you kind of forget about all your other troubles in the world. And you, just, you, you get just very much focused into what you do, which is also Zen, the essence of Zen in a way. So whenever you're creating something, do you feel like you're the one that's creating it? Or do you feel like it's something that's coming through you?
1: But particularly during the firing of a mm-hmm. uh, wood-fired pod, I, I don't feel I'm the one, and yeah. the, the kiln is doing a lot of the creating. So right. you might, when you're throwing it, you might have idea of your basic form mm-hmm. you want to make, and then, and then you, that's only half of the making. For, particularly for the wood fire, then you you let the ash and the fire to do it and create its own pattern, which mm-hmm. you can't really control. Right. So I want to leave it to the kiln god mm-hmm. to do the rest Yeah, but so I don't want to put too much of myself in it sometimes mm-hmm. but I suppose if you're doing the electric kiln you're more in control and mm-hmm. you want to know exactly how the glaze comes out but right yeah yeah often it's repetitive you might just do ten showers at a time and mm-hmm. just select a few that come out well
0: yeah Okay, uh, let me ask you a few other questions. Um, what book or books have you given the most to other people? Mm.
1: Uh, scattered poems by Jack Kerouac. Okay,
0: and why do you why do you give that book?
1: Uh, because he is one of the first Westerners to start haiku. Okay. Also, uh, oh, that's a book of haiku. Yeah, actually, he wrote a book of haiku, but mm-hmm. um, he did prose and. Poetry as well, haiku, right. but many of them haiku. Mm-hmm. So he was one of the very first.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, On the Road is one of my favorite yeah, favorite yeah. books of well. this is a teenager, we all loved it, didn't we? Yeah. yeah
1: you know, it's 19. I, I went to America at 19 uh-huh. 18, to study. And, uh, I, I was inspired by those people right. a lot. Yeah. Uh, I still love them.
0: What, what are some of your other favorite books?
1: I uh, like, well, Beat Poets and the. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Gary Snyder, a nature poet, who who was uh, one, who, who came to Japan for a long time, mm-hmm. and uh, wrote poetry about nature and Japan and the East. And uh, he was the least degenerate of the poets.
0: <laughs> not to say that he wasn't degenerate. I mean, he was just the yeah. least degenerate. Right? <laughs> <laughs> And uh, you're also a blues harmonica player. That's huh? correct. Yeah, how did you get into that? Uh, just 17. I was a
1: big Bob Dylan fan. Right. Like teenager. And uh, yeah. kind of, it was an idol of uh, mine. And uh, that's why I walked into a music shop and picked up. Uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> nice, nice. Can you play us a little bit more? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Much, so for people that would like to uh, to find out more about you, is there uh, any any are you on the the internets anywhere where people can look yes, at your work or Yes, see some please have a look at. at my
1: website, okay, which is my name Lawrence Barrow. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Lawrence with a W dot com. Okay, that's
0: right. all right. And um, do you do anything on Facebook or Twitter yeah, or yeah, I YouTube? Have a Facebook
1: yeah, Facebook uh, okay. and name and photos. So There's kanji for of I love.
0: Mm-hmm. So, so. Nice. So I'll put the links up to that whenever we put you the most uh, well yeah to so. put the podcast out. And do you have any uh, gallery showings or anything coming up that yes, you would like so to people to? going to be a first
1: Kyoto exhibition mm-hmm. and uh, at a gallery that I haven't decided on yet. Okay. That that's going to happen uh, hopefully this year. Okay. But there's some pottery shops that are selling my work already.
0: All right. And would you like to tell people where oh, yeah, they can find your work? yeah,
1: there's one called En which is um, on Higashioji Dori, just south of um, Gojo-dori. Dori.
0: All right. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you so much for uh, chatting with me today. Yeah, thank you yeah, very it was much. Great. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the Dreaming Kyoto podcast. I'm your host, Atticus Sims. Production of this episode by myself and Talis Liu. Theme song by Keith Hills.